Hello and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I am your host, Luke McLean. This is the show where I interview experts on all things mental health and well-being, from strategies you can learn like mindfulness, deep breathing, and cold showers, to people with lived experience like myself who have lived with mental illness and or addiction and open up about their pain to share what has helped and hindered them to provide you with motivation and inspiration to live the best life you can. So let's take the power of our minds back and live a healthier and happier life. Today's guest, Rachel Cable, is an Australian mindfulness coach and host of the Mindful Kind podcast, which currently sits at number one on the Alternative Health podcast charts on iTunes. And she's also the author of the Mindful Kind book. With a background in psychology and lived experiences with stress and anxiety, Rachel is passionate about empowering people with effective skills and strategies to live more mindfully and manage stress. We dive into all of this. We dive into her journey about launching and growing the podcast, how to manage stress, self-care strategies, and plenty more. So if you are looking to become more mindful and at ease, then this episode is for you. I enjoyed this conversation thoroughly, and Rachel has a real calming influence. Please enjoy this episode brought to you by One Commune. We all have those moments where the world feels like it's falling apart. Simple tasks are a grind and happiness just seems to be out of reach. But Commune are here to show you another way. The Commune Summit is a free 10-day online event featuring 25 of the world's foremost experts on health and wellness. Each day includes a keynote lesson and a daily practice so that step-by-step you can bring techniques into your life that lead to greater and greater ease and joy. I've personally used this platform to learn from people I am so inspired by, such as Russell Brand, which helped me monumentally with my addiction recovery. Wim Hof, who I have learned the power of cold exposure, breathing exercises, mindset, which have made my mindset so much stronger and my immune system far, far stronger. I've learned from Scott Schwenk on breathwork in more detail, and I've just started learning a nutrition course by Dr. Mark Hyman. At Commune, learning is a daily experience. Once you sign up, you'll receive a daily email with access to course videos. This encourages you to develop a habit of wellness. Even better, sign up now to try this course for free. That's 10 days, 25 world-leading teachers, and all for free. Head to www.onecommune.com forward slash mindovermatter. That's O-N-E-C-O-M-M-U-N-E forward slash mind over matter. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for joining me on the Mind Over Matter show. Um, I'm really looking forward to getting inside of your brain because it's a very um, intellectual one. But um, thank you for joining me on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Excellent. Now, you we, we did just mention just before jumping on that your uh, your show mindful kind is well, was number one in alternative health and it's been boosting up in um, in the itunes ranks what what made you start doing the show it was actually kind of a bit random so i started listening to podcasts it was about mid 2015 and i just loved them I really enjoyed listening to conversations between people. I found that it was really comforting. I could listen during my commute. There were just lots of really cool things about them. And I 
it was sort of before podcasting was the cool thing to do. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. I was so nervous and didn't like the sound of my voice, didn't feel comfortable doing the recordings or anything. So I really dove into it and just gave it my best shot. I signed up for a podcasting course, like learned everything from start to finish. And really, I just, I just fell into it. So I got really lucky because a few people found it and started listening and I started getting lots of questions and then the podcast featured in the charts on iTunes and more people found it. And I just kept going because the more I talked about mindfulness and mental health and self-care and all these topics that I was really passionate about, the more questions came up, the more I discovered new things. And here I am four and a half years later, still doing it and still loving it. Well, very well done. And I'm, I'm glad you have, because obviously you're, you're motivating and inspiring a lot of people uh, with your show and, and with the topics, which we're going to dive into a lot around mindfulness and, and also particularly during, during this um, or times of uncertainty about how we can approach um, uncertain times and how people can look to look after their self-care um, and, and manage stress as well. So very much looking forward to, to talking about that. But I guess before we get into that, what's, what is motivating you to continue to do the work you do and, and to, I guess, help motivate and inspire people to, to find practices like that that empower them to, to be able to manage their stress and, and live a healthier, happier life? Yeah, there's a couple of different things there. So for me, I really struggled with mental health from quite a young age and I felt quite alone in trying to navigate how to feel happier and how to look after myself and how to be kinder to myself. And I didn't talk about it very much with anyone around me and I didn't really seek the support that I needed. And so that kind of pushed me down this path of wanting to study psychology and learn it for myself and find things that worked well for me. And then I think as well, because kindness and compassion are really important values to me. I wanted to be able to help and support people that were feeling vulnerable or maybe a bit lonely or isolated. And so I, I really just feel motivated by that. I want to help other people who might be struggling a little bit and just to share things that might help them improve their lives in little ways as well. Like they don't always necessarily have to be struggling really deeply with something I think there's so many different little ways that we can improve and enhance our everyday lives. Absolutely. So it was, it was a part, you know, experiencing things yourself um, that drove you wanting to, to help other people and, and part wanting to develop your, yourself. So it was a lot of self-development um, that went into studying psychology. Um, at what point did you think you'd be sitting there as a podcast host and, yeah, five years later, um, down the track, actually having one oh, an amazing show that's sitting the head number one in, in some iTunes stars. At what part, a point did you think that that would be a possibility? I never really did think it would be a possibility, to be honest. It really surprised me and it still surprises me now. I feel super, super grateful that I have a wonderful community who are really supportive and share my show and leave nice reviews and things. So I definitely don't feel like I'm at this point just because of myself. I feel like I've had a lot of support and guidance and help along the way. Um, but yeah, it's exciting because I think that's one of the things about having a small business and doing creative things like this is you never really know where it's going to take you. 
and starting my podcast led to amazing things. Like I got a book deal because the publisher was listening to my podcast and I've met wonderful people all over the world and I just never know where it's going to go. So it's really cool. It is. It is. So you mentioned having some, some struggles yourself. Um, do you mind diving into, I guess, what was a, a low point or a, a rock bottom um, point there if there was? Yeah, absolutely. So I really felt like I was on a bit of a roller coaster with my mental health. So quite from a young age, I was experiencing a lot of stress and anxiety. And then in my teenage years, that sort of yo-yoed between stress and anxiety and depression. I was just really, really hard on myself. There was a lot of self-blame and self-criticism. And I felt like I was, I had all this amazing capacity to be kind and understanding towards other people, but I didn't show any of that towards myself. And so it was really just a journey of starting to understand what I was going through and studying psychology was definitely helpful in that. And then learning about mindfulness and actually learning how to apply that to myself because mindfulness has quite a strong element of non-judgment and I was judging myself all the time. I was judging my emotions, judging my thoughts, judging my actions, judging my past. And so being able to let go of a lot of that really freed me up and helped me to experience my life in more positive ways. Was there a, was there a noticeable shift there for you once you started practicing mindfulness in particular? Did you, do you recall noticing a massive change um, within yourself and within your life or was it something that gradually happened? It was definitely a gradual process, but there were a couple of realizations along the way. Like I just all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually sleeping through the night and I'm not lying awake until one o'clock in the morning, just thinking and blaming myself and going over past mistakes and what I should have done differently. Instead, I was going to bed and doing a breathing technique or a body scan and feeling quite relaxed and just falling asleep much more naturally. So that was one of the first things that I really noticed about my mindfulness practice and how it was benefiting me. Um, And then just over time, I think, like I look back now and I feel as though I really struggled in feeling as though my emotions were just out of control and they were just taking me on a massive ride and I couldn't do anything about it. And I think part of that was because I was so judgmental. And if I was angry, then I felt like I had to squash it down and then it manifested in other ways. So being able to practice mindfulness has just increased my capacity to feel emotions, to express them in healthy ways, to learn from them, to keep moving forward. But then also just experiencing the wonderful things in my everyday life, whether it's having a cuddle on the couch with my puppies or reading a good book and just feeling like, oh, I'm so inspired and motivated and just tuning into those little things that happen each day that are actually really meaningful and that I was missing or overlooking when I was so caught up in my own head. Mm, And I'd imagine there is, as you mentioned, some simple ways to be able to do that and things that a lot of humans just naturally skip past because we are on autopilot. Is Is there a way that we can simply and effectively, I mean, I suppose there's probably a number of ways, but what would you find the most um, simplest way for beginners to be able to start practicing? I think tuning into the senses is quite a simple one 
and it's effective and it can be fun as well. So there's a mindfulness senses game, which I actually learned when I was volunteering on the helpline at the anxiety recovery center. And that was just to um, notice five things that you can see, spend some time doing that. Then notice four things you can hear, notice three things that you can feel in your body, notice two different things that you can smell and notice one thing you can taste. And I think little sensory games like that can be really fun, but then you can start to apply them just a bit more naturally. So for example, at lunchtime today, I took my coffee outside and I sat in the sunshine and I watched this little line of ants and I just enjoyed the flavor of my coffee and feeling the sunshine on my skin. And again, these aren't huge, epic, big things that are happening. They're just really small moments in my daily life that I really appreciate and am present for, which I love doing. And so what are the direct benefits of actually doing that? I think for me, it's really a sense of both calmness and connection with the present moment and also having a break from my thoughts and stresses or worries. So I used to spend a lot of my time planning and predicting things that were going to happen in the future and really overthinking all the possible things that could go wrong and how I would deal with those And I think it was kind of disempowering because not only did it create stress when I didn't need to be feeling stressed, but it made me feel like I couldn't cope. I had to have every single thing planned because I didn't feel like I was resilient enough to know how to deal with it in the present moment. So yeah, there's a couple of different reasons why I love doing things like that. Just that sense of calmness and groundedness and connection and yeah, just a break from my thoughts. I'm a natural like overthinker and an over planner and like that real type A personality. So I guess learning to like, I don't feel like I need to get rid of that side of myself. I embrace that side of myself, but you manage it. I also know that I, yeah, exactly. And I benefit from little practices like that. Mm. It's cool because I mean, personally, I've, I've been doing forms of mindfulness for quite some time now without really diving deep into it i i can clearly see the benefits though within myself you know with sleep with karma you know with little things that would normally set me off um they don't as much and well they don't at all sometimes and you know just those little things that you do start to notice but it does take some time so being a being a mindfulness coach and you know as someone that does empower people to live more mindfully what do you say to people that are at the beginning of the journey that don't really understand mindfulness or they, they haven't practiced enough consistently to notice the benefits? Is there any advice that you give them at the beginning of the journey? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's important to understand that mindfulness itself is quite a simple practice. Sitting down and either tuning into your breath or tuning into your senses or doing a body scan, they're really simple practices, but they do take effort to put into practice. And I think that sometimes they feel so small and they seem insignificant. And so we don't maintain them consistently, but it's from that consistency that the benefits can actually start to unfold. And so I do say, you know, start with the, the simple foundational mindfulness practices, find out which ones resonate with you, experiment and explore them. Because I do also think that mindfulness can be a very individualized practice and you can choose which things work well and which things maybe don't resonate as much and use those practices to create an overall 
mindfulness routine. And I also think it's important to be open-minded as well and to remember that you don't need to have the perfect practice. You don't need to experience certain benefits at certain times. Just experiment with it and be curious about it and see where it might go. Mm. Do you do other form of meditation personally? I do. I used to really dislike formal meditation. So I think I started with mindfulness because when I did try other types of meditation, you know, the kind where you sit down and you really focus your mind on something, I was such an overthinker and so self-critical that my mind would wander all the time and I would get really, really frustrated with myself. But a couple of years ago, I actually studied my advanced certificate in guiding and teaching meditation. And that really encouraged me to dive deeper into those other different types of meditation and to practice those, which personally was a really wonderful experience for me because I gave myself the time and the patience to not have that perfect practice and just to see what I could learn or what might be helpful for me. And I was learning a lot about meditation as well and experimenting with all the different forms of it. So I do now use meditation in a lot of different ways, but it's not necessarily always sitting down for half an hour every day doing some kind of focused meditation practice, although sometimes it is. So do you find that by practicing consistently, maybe where you were, you know, noticing what you were doing or you were maybe focusing on it a little bit more that it now just comes naturally to you in a lot of instances? Yeah, definitely. And I've also noticed there are a lot of activities that I do that naturally encourage me to be more mindful, like gardening. I find it just focuses my attention quite easily. I don't really have to consciously try to practice mindfulness too much because I'm smelling the dirt and I'm feeling it under my fingers and I'm watching things grow and I'm feeling grateful for the changes. And so it's, it can be actually kind of helpful to identify a couple of different activities that maybe help you to be mindful. Often there are creative activities that work really well for that. Um, so yeah, starting to find some of those things that you enjoy doing and just trying to do them a little bit more mindfully by tuning into the present moment and your senses and what's happening. Mm. Now I was going to lead into, I guess, how people can, can approach uncertain times and, and handle them with a little bit less stress. But my brain's kind of ticking now to think, well, just live in the present. <laughs> Do you have certain, certain tips um, on how people can, you know, um, get through those uncertain times like we are with COVID-19, I guess, where people are, a lot of the comments are, you know, when are we going to go back to normal or where, how long is this going to last for and a lot of this type of thing and it's a lot of what if and thinking about the future. Is there a way to approach not just this current situation but also other times of uncertainty that you'd recommend? Yeah. So for me, the way that I've approached this is just using really a blend of mindfulness and self-compassion. So mindfulness to just keep bringing myself back to the present moment and noticing where my thoughts are getting caught up in, like what if this happens or what if this doesn't end when I want it to and what are all the potential negative outcomes and how am I going to cope with those? Anytime that I notice my mind going down those paths, just bringing myself back with a mindfulness practice and trying to reconnect with things that are important to me, like self-care and connecting with my partner and playing with my dogs and all those little things like that. But also really being careful with that, um, I guess, element of self-compassion and being understanding that 
this is a really difficult time and it is quite stressful. It is uncertain. There's lots of different people that are coping with things in different ways and everyone does deal with these sorts of things differently. So I think being non-judgmental towards others, being non-judgmental towards myself, allowing myself the time to process any emotions that I might be having and not having to, I don't know, follow like a certain guideline. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. I feel like, oh, I need to be the beacon of hope and like be inspirational and be motivated and be really productive and inspire other people to do these wonderful things. But, you know, sometimes it's just like, wow, this is really overwhelming and I need some time just to look after myself and to make sure that I'm doing the things that I'm encouraging other people to do. So yeah, mindfulness and self-compassion are really the big, the game changers for me at the moment. I think it's a, it's an amazing point you bring up there. And I've seen that and personally have experienced that where you do get yourself in a position where you're, you know, you're doing what you're doing because you want to inspire and you want to motivate others and you're trying to show certain principles or practices. And then sometimes it does get to that point of, wow, I'm not practicing what I preach. And, you know, for me personally, that's something that if someone mentions that to me, it affects me a lot because I then um, get very critical on myself. So have you found yourself in position like that? Because I know a lot of people are, you know, wanting to help other people, but then may not be looking after themselves. So have you found yourself in that position? And, And how can you bring that back to then start being a little bit more helpful to yourself and a little bit more practical? Mm, That's a good question. For me, it is a bit of a balance and I think it works well for me as well because I enjoy helping other people and I enjoy feeling like I'm making a difference. So when I do those things, I end up feeling good myself. But I think as well, just really being protective of my boundaries and switching off from social media and my emails and things at a certain time each day and not getting caught up in negativity too much. And I don't know, just really being careful about how I feel, like being aware of what I'm feeling and then asking myself, okay, what do I need in this moment or what's going to be helpful for me in this moment? And then just being mindful, I guess, of implementing that. Mm. So definitely sounds like one of the the biggest factors is becoming aware of a lot of lot of different things and and obviously a practice like mindfulness can help that um, quite a lot. Mm, yeah, definitely. It's one of those like ongoing things that you don't really think about so much. Like at the first during that first part of my journey with mindfulness, I wasn't all that aware, and I would often find myself in these spirals, and whether it was thought based or emotion based. Um, I found that awareness was really difficult and now it flows quite easily. So it's one of those sort of unconventional and hard to measure benefits of mindfulness, but I definitely feel that. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned self-care there as well. What are some of your personal, I guess, favorites or, or strategies that you have within your routine? Like, is it a morning routine? Is it daily, weekly? How do you structure your self-care routine? Yeah, so I have experimented with a lot of different things over the years. And at the moment, the way that it looks like is my morning routine is quite similar each day. So I wake up at the same time each day. I take my dogs out. I might do a workout if it's warm enough outside, come back in, have breakfast, plan my day out, and then 
start my day. So it's not super, you know, <laughs> complicated or anything. I'll have a mindful cup of coffee. You know, that's my main thing. Um, but then during the day when I'm working, I often take a five minute break after a 25 minute chunk of work and do a mindful breathing exercise or do some kind of meditation. And then at the end of the day, I have been using a couple of different self-care activities. So having conversations with my partner and just checking in with how we're both feeling um, and just having some fun and lighthearted conversation. I do try to do yoga a few times a week. So I just use an app and practice at home. I've got a bolster. It's just nice and slow and easy. I love reading books. So I do that quite often. Uh, listen to meditation music to help myself fall asleep if I'm really struggling to switch off. And then just incorporating mindfulness practices into every day, which for me feels quite natural now and doesn't take up too much time. But yeah, it's, it's again, it's not really a complicated routine or anything. It's just quite simple and easy and that feels good for me at the moment. So that's that's the routine that that works for you. Is that something that you encourage within um, the people that you work with to be able to find practices that do work for them? Yeah, definitely. And even asking, you know, what's something that you used to do that worked really well for you? Because I found that when someone comes to me for support and guidance, it's often because they've let go of a lot of the things that used to be helpful, or maybe they don't have the time or they don't have the space or the energy. And so starting to bring those things back into their regular life consistently, even if at the start, it's only one or two times a week and not for a very long period of time, but starting to reconnect with those self-care practices that really help people feel nourished and supported and refreshed or energized. I think it's easy to disconnect from those things when we're feeling overwhelmed and to binge TV on Netflix or, you know, get lost on social media, but reconnecting with those activities can make a really big difference. Absolutely. I mean, as soon as you mentioned Netflix, Tiger King just comes straight to mind. And, you know, I think about social media and how easy it is to, once you get started scrolling through Instagram, it's so, you know, the mind to just go straight to then checking Facebook and then I'll check my LinkedIn and all of that. And at some point it's then becoming aware, hold on, how long have I been doing this for and, and what am I doing? So I feel like it is like that in in a lot of um, different factors within our life. And I assume that's that's one of the, the benefits of being able to, to practice mindfulness is to be able to, I guess, come to in those moments and, and not be so much on autopilot. Yeah, definitely. And even with planning out my time, like I had to start doing that because working from home and most of the time being by myself, I could very easily get lost in that social media. And I had no idea how long I was spending on it because it doesn't feel like very long when you're, when you're actually on there. But when I've given myself half an hour to do a certain thing and then I'm like, oh, I've got five minutes left over, I'll check social media. That five minutes just goes so quickly. And it made me realize that all these social media breaks that I was taking during my day, they were not five minutes. They were much, much longer. And that's where a lot of my time was going. So I think starting to be quite strict with myself and saying, okay, I've got five minutes and I'm actually like going to keep an eye on my clock and make sure that I stick to this has been really helpful yeah. and eye-opening. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess coming back to, I guess, top, uh, not so much practices, but top tips that people can implement 
um, for their self-care into a, a simple routine without overloading, what would you suggest to, to listeners that they could start implementing into their, into their lives to live, I guess, healthier and, and happier um, within that self-care? What would you recommend? Mm. So first of all, I would really try to identify some of the top self-care strategies that work well and don't just stick with one um, type of well-being. So there's different areas of well-being. There's physical, social, emotional. Try to choose a couple of different self-care activities that um, fit into each of those categories and then really schedule them into your week so that you make sure that you're really doing those things. And that's how you can create that self-care routine. And then the last piece of that puzzle as well is actually doing self-care activities mindfully. And I talk a lot about this in my book, which is also called The Mindful Kind, just because I think that there's a big difference between doing self-care on autopilot and doing self-care mindfully where you're really paying attention to the thing that you're doing and you're noticing how it's making you feel and you're enjoying and appreciating the present moment and you're not spending too much of that time being really caught up in thoughts about the past or the future. So yeah, those are the the main things. Identify the self-care activities, make sure that well-balanced, create that routine so you've got some consistency and then do those self-care activities mindfully. Brilliant. Could you give us one example? I mean, you've probably already given us millions, but well, maybe not millions, but could you give us an example of a self-care strategy that a lot of people may already be doing, but how they can implement that mindfully? Yeah, that's a great question. One of the things actually that I quite enjoy myself is at the end of the day, when I'm lying in my bed, you know, the light's just gone off. I'm warm, I'm safe, I'm comfortable. I'm just paying attention to the gentle flow of my breath as it moves in and out of my body. Maybe I'll place one hand on my chest and one over my diaphragm and just feel that gentle movement. It's such a simple thing. Like we all go to bed at night, but for me, what used to happen was I turned off the light and it was like my brain just kicked up a gear. Like, oh, great. This is my opportunity to think about everything that could go wrong ever. And so it was really not an enjoyable experience for me. And I kind of dreaded going to bed at night. But now that I incorporate mindfulness into it, it's a really wonderful, not only a mindfulness activity, but a self-care activity as well, because I have that time to decompress and relax and fall asleep so that I can wake up the next day on time and keep going with my self-care routines. Beautiful. Well, thanks so much, Rachel. The, on, I guess the last thing that I would like to ask, um, which is always hard after you've given so much advice, but number one, how can, what's the best way for listeners to be able to connect with you and the work that you do? And part B of that is to finish off, what would be your biggest and last piece of advice? Okay, so you can find me at my website, which is rachelcable.com. You'll find my podcast there, my book, all my resources, like my blog and everything. So yeah, rachelcable.com is where everything is. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. I love connecting with people. So make sure you say hello so I can say hi back. And my biggest piece of advice would have to be to really focus on being kind to yourself. Because I think that when we're kind to ourselves, we have more capacity to be kind and understanding towards others. 
And I think that when we nourish that positive self-talk and we do things that are nice for ourselves, we tend to feel more able to show up as our best selves in our everyday lives. And I just, I don't know, I feel like nurturing your relationship with yourself, like you're the person that you spend so much time with, all your time with. So if you're not enjoying who you are and what you're doing, then it's time to start changing that. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Rachel for joining us on the show and sharing so many amazing tips on how to be present and implement mindfulness simply into our daily lives. If you enjoyed this episode, then head over to the Mindful Kind podcast and check out Rachel's show. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To keep up to date with the show, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes. And hey, if you love what you hear, please rate and review us. We would be so grateful. On next week's episode, I chat with a performance coach, a holistic well-being specialist, podcaster, father, an optimistic lover of life, and a man addicted to gratitude. Robbo, or Brett, as he is commonly known, has consulted as a performance coach and performance therapist to Olympic and Paralympic champions, Sydney Swans in the AFL, various NRL and Australian rugby union teams, Red Bull athletes, and many, many other high-performance athletes and teams. We talk about resilience and how to manage overall wellness amongst others. Robbo has a very, very infectious personality, and I'm very excited to bring this episode into your world. See you on the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and take the power back.